0: I'm Carly Webb. And you're in the Transporter Room. This week, Megan Youngren joins us from Alaska to talk about her historic run in the USA Olympic trials. But first, speaking of Olympics, <coughs> oh, red alert,
1: we've got news. Actually, here. we've got good news. To me, this is good news. The well, the IOC-Why you say it's good news. It's good news because the IOC and the and the Tokyo Organizing Committee came to their senses and realized that. This, this, the COVID-19 crisis is a real deal. And if you try to have the Olympics with this, it would be chaos all the way around. You're better off not doing it. Postpone it. Give it a year. Give it a year. You've got, you had two countries already saying we're not sending people. You had one, another delegation saying point blank. I don't care what the rest of the USOC does. USA track and field said, we're not going to risk our athletes here. It's a, to me. It was the smartest move, and I think I think the organizing committee could do one more smart move. What
0: would that they be? They could do
1: one more. What
0: would that be?
1: Po- postpone the Olympics to twenty twenty two, run them in the summer of twenty two. And here's why come, you could do that it. would come like
0: with the Winter Olympics. And no wouldn't.
1: Well, all right. You have both Olympics in the same year. You've had both Olympics in the same year before.
0: Yeah.
1: You have precedent for this. I say run them in twenty two. Make 2022 the year of the Olympic Festival. Have it have a year where where both of them are together, and then in 2024 you go to Paris and you restart the cycle again. Huh. I mean, I think it would be a good if things wind up the way I hope they don't, but I have a feeling they just might. This world's going to need an Olympic Festival after the after what could happen with this whole with with this current crisis. If they if they do it in 21, that's fine. But I wouldn't mind them even honing it off to 22 and give us a, and like give us an old school Olympic year where you have the winter and the summer. Plus, they're both on the same continent. You would have the you would have the winter Olympics in 2022 in Beijing, summer right. Olympics in Tokyo. In a sense, it'd be a celebration of Asia. I I don't know. I'm just thinking just thinking all oh. the all the possible angles here. I, I I like the I like the positive thinking.
0: Um I just think it's a crushing blow for everyone who basically had invested so much and is, was thinking somehow maybe there'll be a way but I'm always a gla- glass half full kind of girl so um, I just hope that they would have found some way but it just doesn't seem possible and well, uh, it completely ruled out 2020 it's just not happening this year
1: Well Don I'm well Don I'm going to tell you I'm I'm glass I'm glass half full as much as the next person you know how much I love sports but the fact of the matter is this, this rates a lot higher than a race. This rates a lot higher than a ball game. This rates a lot higher than all those things. As much as I love sports. If, if we don't have, if we don't have ball fields and stadiums turning into morgues around the world, because of this thing, it's worth Ooh. it Oh boy, to shut oh. down sport. If, if we have to shut down sports for, if someone came down to me and said, We can end this, we can, this coronavirus thing will end with a minimal loss of life, but there's no sports this year. I'll take that deal.
0: Yeah, I know. Unfortunately, Texas and uh, House Republicans and Senate Republicans and a certain Donald J. Trump think that the economy is more important. And they're willing to sacrifice older people and and vulnerable people so that we can have a. Well, one of those. uh,
1: Well, Don, (laughs) I'd like to tell all those people in Capitol Hill, one of those older people is my 89 year old grandmother in Omaha, Nebraska. Are you going to tell me that uh, we're going to sacrifice her because somebody needs a little bit more in the stock price? Somebody needs another Ferrari? Someone A cruise line needs Mm -hmm. a bailout? Mm -hmm.
0: Maybe I I sacrifice a certain uh, septuagenarian who's president of the United States or Dan Patrick or someone else who's uh, older, you know?
1: (laughs) Well, my old old thing when it comes down to it is I don't even want to get into that macabre thinking. The goal right now should be one goal saving as many healthy. lives as we yep. can. Yep. That should be the goal right now. And again, well, right- m- as much as I love sports, sport there's some things that rate higher than that rate higher than the opening day of the baseball season or a world series or a super bowl to me. And this is one of them. I'll admit it, I'm scared. I'll fully admit to that.
0: Well anxiety level is up across the country and around the world. But I will tell you, I think the perspective we really need to hear is from someone who was headed to the Olympics. If not this year, if not 2021, maybe 2025, 26. Somewhere down the line, I'd like to think that Megan Youngren might be able to make it to the Olympics. Why don't we set our coordinates
1: for oh. Soldatna, Alaska? Soldatna, Alaska. Energize. It's Megan Youngren, you are in the transporter room. Welcome and congratulations. It's very,
2: very kind of you. I think I'm a long ways away from an Olympic qualifying time, but. Thank you.
1: One
0: can dream, right?
1: One can dream.
2: I see it like yeah, this: got to chop twenty minutes off the time. It'll be. fine.
1: <laughs> hey, you have to chop twenty minutes off a of marathon. Try time for me to make an Olympic trials. I need to find. I need to find another two and a half hours to get there. <laughs> so I got to find two and a half hours of time. So I mean, my goal. My goal is just trying to get sub five, and I'm inching closer to it. But. I mean, but first off, That's good. right out of the gate, right out of the gate, what made you, I, I know this much about you, trail running is where, trail running is your big thing. You, you like hitting all of you, you hit every yeah. trail in the Kenai Peninsula and you took on one of the toughest marathons mm-hmm. in the kind, you took one of the toughest marathons in North America and possibly one of the toughest in the world in the Equinox and Fairbanks, which is part road. Part trail. Yeah, what made you decide to take this shot now? What made you decide to just take the shot and go for the Olympic trials?
2: Well, every single one of these, it's like a progression of looking at something that looks in amazingly hard and saying, oh, "I wonder if I can do that," and then just sort of building up and up and up, and then seeing like, "Hey, you know, can I get a Boston time?" Oh, okay, so I'm in way better shape than that what's the next thing and then finding you know hey you know what what's what's something that's within the range of possible but really really hard that i can take a swing at so i mean i didn't intend to ever start running roads but that's where it ended up
0: did you ever think that you would be making history as the first trans marathon runner in uh in team usa olympic trial history
2: I mean, it wasn't at the forefront of my mind. It, you you transition, and then after a certain amount of time, it stops being like the, you know the, the thing you think about, and then people make a big deal about it when something or really other happens, and you're like, uh huh, <laughs> okay.
0: Megan, you mentioned that you came out nine years ago. How did that go? Yeah.
2: Well. My life was kind of a mess at that point, but um, it, it got better, <laughs> as, as it does. As it does. How old were you? I was 20, and I think I started coming out to people when I was 20, and I was full-time when I was 21. Wow. Wow. So, I mean, I'm, I'm pushing 29, and I don't know. It feels like longer, and it also feels like, you know, this has just started, and my 20s just disappeared on me. But I think that might be a universal thing, not just a trans thing. Which do you find to be the tougher era? Was it
0: nine years ago when you first came out that people were less accepting? Or is it now that people are less
2: accepting? I wouldn't say that people are any like more or less accepting now. I think a lot of it is just sort of like an understanding of the situation, like sort of almost an awareness problem more than an acceptance problem. At least on Alaska, it's a very live and let live thing, except for the people that have uh, – they want to be angry about something, and <laughs> this is a great thing for them to be angry about. But I, I think that that's a pretty – all in all, a pretty limited subset of people. Most people are very like, oh, well, I don't like it, but also this doesn't affect me. And I'm like, uh-huh. Like, I'll leave you alone if you leave me alone. like, Cool.
0: <laughs> What's the expression I heard about with uh, same-sex marriage? If you're not in favor of same-sex marriage, then don't get married to someone of <laughs> the <with> same sex.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. Like, just leave each other alone. If you're against transition, do
0: not transition. Oh, somebody wants to interrupt. We, we couldn't. We can stop. For no,
2: my <laughs> no, my dog.
1: No, let's see the dog. What's your dog's name? Me. My
2: dog's name is Moss.
1: Hey, Moss.
0: Dahlia is upstairs safely ensconced in the kid's bedroom, but
2: uh, we have a big black lab. Well, I, had the, I had the door closed, but apparently the dog's
1: been out there. So, How many runs do you go out, do, go out with with the dog? I mean, do, does the dog get in the fun too? Uh, the
2: dog was a big part of my training in 2017 for my first marathon. I think every run he went with me for that, But that was also when I was doing, like, 40 or 50-mile weeks and not, like, 70 or 80-mile weeks. Um, Like, I I would sometimes do more, but not, like... um, But that would be, like, a bonus on top of that sort of baseline thing, all the baseline runs he went with me. I did a lot more mountain hiking then, mountain running then, and he loves that. But now I do a lot more... Running like near traffic on pavement, or you know during like high traffic times, and he it's very friendly and wants to greet everybody. So that (laughs) changes your training because you're stopping to be like, okay, hi, you know, here's my dog, sorry, and then you go on like, or you put him on leash, and then you know he's with you the whole. It's it's complicated, but but now it's like once or twice a week. Now how or or just taking for a walk every day.
1: One thing especially during, during the winters up there, how did that – you? I'm, I read in a few articles that actually that helped, that was an, that helped you in training for the pavement races uh, as you made your run-up over the last season. How did it help you as far as – how did running through the ice and the snow and the trails help you for getting on the road and getting that time down to where you got that 245?
2: Well, I mean, that's a that's a good question. And one of those things that may be a lot of um, personal preference and opinion and what works for you, what, you know, what doesn't work for somebody else. But, like, for me, running on hills is a great way to um, push yourself a little bit harder than maybe you could if you were running on pavement without um, injuring yourself. And I attribute that to a lot of my successes, that I'm able to push a lot harder without injury or without, you know, burning out as quickly and I'm able to bounce back easier. And that's, that's, that's been a big help in building up to doing these road races. The problem with running on snow and then going to a road race is that your form for running on snow and ice has to be different than running on pavement because every footstep is, it's like a risk. So... I would say that the biggest thing that I got out of this winter for training for these races is that it was windy a lot and this, the Olympic trials were very windy. So I was, I was very much like, well, this sucks, but it's also nothing that, you know, I haven't trained for. So
0: there's an Irish expression and we just had St. Patrick's day. May the wind always be at your back. I
2: suppose that's not always true for marathon runners, huh? Well, it seems, it always feels like the wind. It always feels like a headwind, even when it's not. And it's uh, it's it's when it's a crosswind, it definitely gets into your head that you're like, oh, didn't wasn't I just running into the wind and didn't I just turn around? <laughs> you know, um,
1: I have that feeling often, <laughs> especially during wind.
0: Well, Carly and uh, I have both um, met two young women here in Connecticut who've made a lot of news headlines. Uh, their names are Terry Miller, and Andrea Yearwood. They're track stars, and they happen to be trans girls. And despite the fact that um, they are not always winning, there are young cisgender women who are saying that they should not have to compete against them. And I was wondering if you had any opinion about the whole trans student athlete debate.
2: Oh that that's a thing that like you know i can give my my hot take my opinion on it and i'm just at this point in my life i'm not i don't really have any any say in that that matters i don't i don't think that a lot of people realize that like when you follow the guidelines that there's no there's no real advantage and statistically like you I, I don't know that's really complicated and I feel really really bad for the trans girls that have just been like you know hey I want to compete and then being put in a position of basically instead of just going out there and working having to defend themselves personally I can't imagine what that must be like in terms of you know everybody gets to some extent bullied in high school High school is a rotten place where people are just terrible to each other with no consequences. And that's, as far as I know, a universal constant. So I can't imagine the strength that it takes to to get out there and be like, hey, I'm in a transition in high school, and I like running, and I'm going to run, and then have that happen. And who knows if it's just the, the people complaining are just complaining out of their own you know, their own concerns, which I'm not going to say that people can't debate this or anything. That's, you know, that's neither here nor there, but that they've been almost sort of like asked to make it a bigger deal for someone else's agenda.
0: There There certainly certainly is an
2: agenda there. There's certainly an agenda. That's for sure. And that's a huge bummer because obviously it's not an, you know, an I win button, for these girls that are trans to compete. Like, it's not like, it's not like they're not working. Like, I don't know. It, that's a very complicated situation and it's very, it's just sad. But again, I'm not, that's not something that like, I'm really the person to be asking about. I'm almost like, I have all these other problems, like, All these other different complicated things to deal with that hopefully my having been put out like this means that they won't have to deal with as they move into their 20s and move into, you know, sub elite competitions or deciding to compete in events that are under the umbrellas that I've been under. Like, I hope that my being out means that when they move into this realm that it's less of a headache.
1: Thing about your day in Atlanta and the run up to it is unfortunately you had to deal with that headache what was it like what was it like being what was it like being there the week of you're in Soldatna, you're packing your bags you got to get south to Atlanta and that's one that's one serious haul from from Alaska, from southern Alaska to Georgia is a haul and you don't know if they'll let you tow the starting line, line or not what was that like
2: I, I did know at that point. I didn't know until that Monday. And so I think that last Sunday before we, you know, before the week of the race, I sort of had this feeling that I wasn't going to get to race. And I'm not going to say I gave up. I still did all the runs that were on my schedule. But, but also, like, I had sort of grown to accept that I wasn't going to get to run. And with how well this training cycle had gone and like, you know, treating myself well, eating well, sleeping well, running hard, it, you sort of get this defeatist attitude where you're like, well, it doesn't matter anyway. And I think a lot of people are dealing with that now with, for instance, Boston being canceled and let alone all the other races, but especially Boston, a lot of people. Uh, that's their thing. They, they worked hard to get the qualifier. Now they're building up to it. And then they had, you know, the, it just got all pulled out from under them. But for me, that was, that was very much like, I didn't know. And I'm very glad that I knew before I flew down because that, that was a long trip. We left um, Wednesday night at like nine out of our town and then flew to Anchorage, flew a red-eye from Anchorage to Seattle, flew from Seattle to Georgia. And I, I did sleep for a couple hours, but it's airplane sleep where you know you wake up and somehow even if you're hydrated, you wake up and you are just a skeleton. You have no water left in you. And you didn't feel like you slept at all, just the time passed. <laughs> you, also, so you also sometimes wake you know, up wondering, where, where, are, where am I? Where am I? What's going yeah. on?
0: i just experienced that this week i just experienced that this week flying chicago i was like
2: (laughs) but then getting into atlanta was just like this like well i know i'm racing and we're here and this is really happening and i could talk about how well the atlanta track club did in planning all this out and being there for us for like an entire hour like you land at the airport they've got volunteers there they make sure that, you know, you know how to get on the public transit and what stops to take and where to go to the hotel. And they got people at the hotel. And the hotel was amazing and had a view of the Centennial Olympic Park. And once, once I was there, um, I know I've said before that I wasn't going to believe that I was going to get to run until I was on the starting line. And a little bit of me still believed that right until race start. But I think once, you know, we, we were in the hotel room and it was like, oh, I need a nap. And then I was like, wait, no, I got to actually appreciate this, that it did sink in that I was there and I was going to get to race. Long trip.
1: One thing that sinks in for me is your split times. Take me through this, two, this 26.2 miles you put together. Because I'm telling you, I'm looking at these split times and I'm thinking for me to run, uh, say, a 609 mile, that's me dropping the tanks, taking all the ballast out getting rid of all the downforce and running like there's no tomorrow, knowing that at 60, knowing that as exactly one mile, I'm going to drop to the ground. I will have, no, I've blown my engine. I have nothing left. And here you are, your, your split times are almost other. I mean, take me through this race. How did you feel going through it? I look at some of these split times and I'm like, I'll admit I'm jealous. You were very consistent. Well, no time below, uh, b- no time slower than, than seven minute miles here.
2: Yeah. Well, th- there's some backstory to this one. I I race like an idiot. Um, I always go out too fast um, because it is a universal constant in marathons that the first few miles you're like. I'm fine. This is great. And then whatever you choose to do in the first like three, five, 10 miles will come back to haunt you by mile 20. And (laughs) my race in December, I I had a problem with my watch and the, uh, the sensor that I use, uh, for distance, I hadn't calibrated it. And it was, it was accurate. I mean, my old pair of shoes, I had a new pair of shoes and all that together. It said that I was going slower than I actually was. So this time around, I made sure that I was going by, um, like power. And so the whole race, I was just staying within that effort metric, which was really important because this, this was like the craziest course, even without the wind. And then there was like 15, 17, 20 mile an hour sustained winds and then like gusts of 35 on the NBC broadcast. They're like, oh, well, there could be gusts of 20. And I was like watching through the broadcast. And I'm like, no, it was that as a baseline, guys, like that's that's an important difference. But like as far as your question of like, what's it like to run a, a 609 mile? It was. That's something you have to train for, you have to have the you know genetic luck to be able to do, and to be able to do whatever your marathon pace is for a whole marathon you you have to do a marathon training cycle to get there in the first place, you know like any of the people there you know couldn't have done this without training for months and years behind that uh to get those times and the crazy thing for me about this race was that. I guess my race before this was California International, and there were quite a few people there that were running that time. But this was different because the entire field was running at those times. So you just feel like one of the group, you know? Like everybody there knows what it's like to go that fast. And it doesn't seem as weird then.
1: Well, I can tell you one thing. From from one, from one person who races like an idiot to another one, I salute you. Because I go out too fast too. <laughs> My trainer always tells me to go out to fast. Yeah. That's why it was like, I'm at like mile 11 of a half marathon. I'm like, okay, I'll finish even if I have to crawl. And sometimes I'll have to
0: crawl. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm just an idiot, yeah. period. So um, let me ask you about something that is affecting everyone. How is the coronavirus impacting you? And specifically, how is the uh, controls over your, um, your freedom affecting your training? Are you able to go out and train right now?
2: For now. I don't own a treadmill, so there there may come a time when uh, local or state or federal regulations say, you know, don't just don't go outside at all. And at that point, um, better figure out some body weight stuff to do for a while or, you know, some kind of like YouTube cardio program or something <laughs> because... That's all I'll be able to get. But for now, as long as you aren't going out with people, that's fine. And I pretty much as a rule train alone anyways. So it doesn't affect me a tremendous amount. Um, and you're healthy. I, yeah, for, for the first few weeks after getting back and realizing that, you know, I traveled through the Seattle airport twice. Like, uh-oh. Like... <laughs> you get that in the back of your head every time you know your your nose runs a little bit or you feel a tickle in the back of your throat that you're like oh no am i going to get sick and it's a it's a known thing that after racing a marathon for at least a few hours if not a few days you're you're more vulnerable to getting sick and during that time i did you know fly through fly through seattle so i was a little worried for a while and for now, I'm well-stocked and um, I'm very isolated. So for now, hopefully I'll be fine. But, you know, there is, just like with anybody else, a, a thought process in the back of your head of saying, like, you know, what am I going to do if I get sick?
1: Like,
0: let, me ask you, let me ask you another question. This is, again, from my idiot uh, part of my brain. Um, I work with Carly, who's a runner. I work with Sid Ziegler, who's a runner. I myself ran a5K 10 years ago, so I get the joy of running, but I'd like to know why you run. Um, I used to say about um, skydiving that there's absolutely no reason to jump out of a perfectly working airplane. Why is it you run?
2: Um, feels good? I mean, there, there are some, some complicating factors. I had, I had shingles in 2013 and now, if I don't run, if I don't get some form of cardio at least a few times a week, it usually has to be more It the spot where I had that, which is right, right back here. Um, the pain comes back, even though it's not, you know, an active case of shingles, the, that spot flares up and it gets um, absolutely debilitating. Like um, there's, there's nothing that really helps it at all like you can take Tylenol and it like sort of dulls it a little bit, but not not really. And um, if you get exercise, then that helps. So I don't really have a choice not to run, but that's not the only reason why I run. I run because I like being outside, because it feels good, because it regulates my sleep, and because I can eat more, because racing is fun, because getting out there every day is fun. Once you've built up like an immunity to the pain of it like you know the initial little pains of it like shin splints or ankle problems and you've got everything in order in terms of what shoes you're going to wear what clothes you're going to wear and where you're going to go out and run like it's just it's hygiene you know it's it's a it's a base level thing that you have to do every day
1: how do you push yourself to do it when you don't feel like it I'll admit i'm asking for coaching here because that's one of my that's my biggest issue from time to time there are days i get up and my body says no we're not running i want cheesecake instead
0: well that's a day for the ending and why for me so
1: (laughs) the thing is how do i I I mean and also i know you train you off you said you train alone for the you train alone how do you find that motivation when you wake up and you're like i don't want to do this
2: i mean you cannot want to do a lot of things and you have to do them. And once you get started on something, it's pretty easy to play that mental game and say, well, I'm out here. I might as well finish it. So a lot of it is, is having the clothes laid out, having a plan of where you're going to go and just getting your foot out the door. If you can, if you make it a mile into whatever run you're going to do and you still don't want to be out there, can it hop back in the car and go home, crawl back into bed no problem at least you tried it's like that that uh life pro tip you see on on reddit all the time of like you know even if you're not going to even if you're not going to work out if you're trying to make a habit of going to the gym just go to the gym it's silly but like once you're at the place and doing the thing you might as well do it and it's super easy to keep going once you've started and it definitely helps me to have chronic pain that goes away if I exercise and often on days where I'm not even thinking about that the dog pops up and it's like hey let's we're gonna go do the (laughs) thing it's like your little buddy it's like your encouragement right (laughs) yeah it's a it's clippy from microsoft word but you know (laughs) actually helpful well (laughs) speaking of electronic friends
0: um you are a gamer and you were telling us before we started recording that uh, you spent yesterday heavily involved in a certain game. which you tell us all about it? Because we love sci-fi here.
1: Okay, I'm a gamer, so okay, I'm so all I, in.
0: I played Pong and Space Invaders and Ms. Pac-Man. I'm sorry, I'm not part of that world.
1: <laughs> You're a retro. Tomorrow, okay. or not
2: tomorrow? So yesterday was a pretty big day in terms of um, games that aren't Half-Life Three. But we have been waiting 13 years to play and are technically a half-life game, uh, this game that is a prequel to Half-Life 2 and a sequel to have it's like a, in Half-Life Alex, a VR game set in a post-apocalyptic, I don't know, Eastern European city City 17. Uh, it is the first like mainline VR game from. From the company valve and that if you're not involved in gaming at all you might not know the joke about you know like when's half-life 3 coming because they had promised us well not the full half-life 3 but episode 3 in like you know the next six months and then like you know 10 12 years later we're all like well this is never going to happen this is a joke and so this game came out yesterday and it's like you sort of can't believe that that actually happened and that it's as good as it is. It is it's really good. Like I don't have a very great VR setup either, but it is you, you really I mean it's cheesy to say but you feel like you're there. So it's the goggles and everything? Yeah, yeah. Very cool. Goggles and little hand the um like hand tracking and it it is it's like being transported to another place, and that is really cool. I gotta like, try that.
0: I, I I've tried early VR when it was really cumbersome mm-hmm. and you felt like you're wearing a brick on your head, and um, I'm sorry, I just I didn't feel immersed. I felt like I was trying to trick myself into thinking I was being immersed, but I wasn't succeeding. So that was like probably five years ago, and I know it's come leaps and bounds since then.
1: No, it's a, it's yeah. night and day now in a lot of ways. I mean, gaming in general, is a, and I've been a I've been a video gamer for about forty years, and I'm loving what they're seeing right now. I'm these are the games I dreamed about when I was a little kid. I mean, yeah. stuff like Half Life is things I dreamed about, and now, and now, oh, this will make me this will make me build my gaming rig.
0: All right, I'll have to. Try I'm, looking,
1: it. I'm looking at the website for for uh, for Half Life Three right now. That would make me build my gaming rig. Oh, Megan, what other games are you grooving to besides it? What were you grooving to before this came out?
2: I play a lot of Destiny. Um, I've been playing through Breath of the Wild again, which is um, a perfect game. You know, the the cohort of a few handful of other games that are like, oh, this is this is a video game. This is what you describe to people as a video game, and uh, it's really fun and really peaceful and. Um, I already say Destiny. I play a lot of Destiny. <laughs> you said um, Destiny. <laughs> um, some of my running friends have been trying to get me into Rocket League. I am terrible at Rocket League, but it's fun. Um, What's the difference between Rocket League and Destiny? <laughs> they're both competitive games, but one is a shooter game, and the other one is car soccer, and I am not very good at car soccer Yes, but I'll okay. practice. I get it. Okay. <laughs> okay.
1: The only- Hey, the only ge- hey, the gaming I do that involves cards is stuff like Forza—that's a it. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, Rocket League—a little bit out of my league. league. <laughs> it's it's fun though. It's uh, it's definitely a a good you know sit around and and crack jokes and um you know play a competitive thing and that's really nice right now because you don't get to hang out with people right now. There's no going out to the brewery. There's no group runs for those of us that do it. There's no tell me there's 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 not much of anything and that's and that's good and now we're doing that to help and that's the reality for now. And for a little while I think
0: um, I'm a widow and I had a Zoom conference like the one we're having now with some widows that I know and we all just drank wine and talked the other night because we couldn't get together like we
2: usually do. Couldn't go dancing you know and that's a new reality. I get together every Sunday with a group of friends and we watch, well, we would have been watching Westworld right now, um, but we're not getting together, so I'm a little behind on that. But we, we watch something every week. We cook food and we hang out and talk and catch up. And that's, you know, a way to make sure that we all don't drift apart as as we get into our 30s. And, I mean, I'm not 30 yet, but I sort of feel like it. <laughs> sort of, oh, you know, 20 feel like I'm... You know,
1: oh, you just... You just wait until that first digit is a four.
0: <laughs> yeah, we got the 30s, the 40s, and the 50s here. I turned 50 yeah. on uh, the day this comes out. It's my birthday. So. I
1: turn, turn 49 in a couple months.
0: Yeah. But, I'm, yeah, but
1: I'll never stop gaming.
0: I will never yeah. stop not gaming. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you watch Westworld. I think Westworld is so amazing how it's evolved each season into a completely different
1: show. Have you watched mm-hmm. Westworld, Carly? I have. I have, I'll admit, I'm, I'll admit, I compared that to the old movie, but I, I also, I do compare it to the old movie, but I do also appreciate it for what it is. And I just think it's another, it's another part of this great renaissance we're seeing in sci-fi on, on the small screen right now. It's very true. I and mean, the small screen is where it's at. That's right. Well, I have a 50 inch TV, so it's not so small. <laughs> (laughs)
0: okay Okay, let's hear you brag (laughs) hey I spent I spent uh, yeah no 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 I spent I spent a couple of paychecks saving up for that so Megan this has been a thrill Um, we've not spoken to anyone from Alaska before so you are our first Alaska podcast guest and we wish you well during the coronavirus catastrophe and crisis and I hope that you stay healthy we will follow you even if you don't compete in the Olympics there's still a chance you might go to the Olympics (laughs) well
1: actually i mean I might,
2: the- I might go watch something exactly
1: exactly but megan now that you've done this what's the next challenge what do well, um, I mean, what you what's your next one
2: i'm gonna do my first 50 miler in june and then next year i want to do 100 miler oh my god and then uh after that i'm gonna cool it a little bit go back down to marathons and uh try and get a little faster i don't really know how much faster i can get but i'm per the words of someone i met at the trials who was 42 she's like you know don't don't tell me you're done getting faster that's a bunch of crap my
1: trainer told me the same thing
2: on that note we're gonna send the
0: transporter back to alaska thank you megan (laughs) thanks megan great run Good talking to you Carly. Take care. We'll see you next you week too, everybody. We'll
1: see you next week and wash your hands everybody.